This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens. It's the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 312, and tonight the patrons are taking over. That's right. My super screamer patron, Chris, is officially the program manager for this episode, and she has decreed that we are going to watch the New Zealand horror comedy Black Sheep. Before we go a step further, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh. Hey, hi, hi. Since 2010, I've been your guy to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you're going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. <laughs> now you're probably wondering, hey, were we supposed to be talking about Murder My Death this episode? Yes, we were. Kristen Petty from the Killing Your Darlings podcast and I got together and recorded the episode on Tuesday, March 16th. And when the news broke the next day about the shootings in Atlanta... My gut instinct was to temporarily pull the episode because of the fun. It's poking at the Asian community and the conversation that Kristen and I had would probably have been a lot different had we recorded it after the shootings than the day before. Not that we said anything bad, but my gut instinct said, don't do it. My head has tried to talk me into releasing it anyway since it's already done, but I've learned in the past, always trust your gut. So it's okay. The show's still going to come out. I might make a few amendments to things, but it will come out at some point. So when I found myself all of a sudden without an episode, Chris was more than happy to step up and fill that void. Please don't make it dirty. Please don't make it dirty. It wasn't a dirty thing. Well, it was a kind of a dirty thing. Never mind. Okay. This episode has been a real strain to put together. Why, Patrick? Well, I'm going to tell you in the form of bum bum smoochy watchy out of the da da. What's going on with that cat? I don't know. She's lost her damn mind. It's not always the case. No, she's been really something's off. With her, she has been aggressive. Isn't she always aggressive? Yes, she's always aggressive, but this is violent aggressive, and anytime I'm near the computer, she's freaking out. She's heavily sedated right now, so I can get something done. The whole goal of this episode is to talk as quickly as possible before she wakes up. Because once she wakes up, it's all over. She's got a vet appointment scheduled for Sunday, which is, I had to wait a week to get an appointment, but it's just the way it is now. They're seeing limited patients, yada, 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 boo-hoo-hoo. So... So, with that much said, I'm just going to cut right to the cheese and play that trailer for Black Sheep, starting right about now. Miles from Civilization. I have a dream for the future. A secret experiment has given birth to a new breed. Bloody animals. Oh, my lord. There's something wrong with the sheep. They attacked us. Oh, nonsense. (laughs) 
he doing? What are you doing in here? You wouldn't understand. What's that noise? Somebody's shearing. Oh, God, no. Get ready. For the violence. We're trapped. Of the lambs. The sheep are revolting. Aren't they? Oh, no. Black sheep. There's something in here. So by decree of my royal super screamer patron, Chris Schaeffer, we're talking about Black Sheep, the 2006 New Zealand horror comedy about killer sheep. It could happen. This movie, I don't know what it was. I'm glad that Chris suggested this one because I saw this when it first came out and I don't know what stick was up my ass or not up my ass that day. I, I didn't like it. I thought it was a snoozer, but I really enjoyed it this time around. And one of the many things I really impressed me this time is how well this movie is shot. It's got a really low budget, but it just looks gorgeous. And a lot of that is just how well this area of New Zealand is shot. I mean, it's so idyllic. It is just pastoral, literally pastoral. That's not what that word means, Patrick. Shut up, I know. Let me have my fun. Let me have my pun. Anyway, it, it the screen is just always filled with these wonderful blue skies and Beautiful green rolling hills and nice white fluffy sheep. Actually, it looks like a box of Claritin is what it looks like. It looks like a box of Claritin. <laughs> but, but no, but it's soothing. It's wonderful. Until the red starts coming. And oh yeah, does the red start coming. I think that's one of the things that bugged me first time around. Because the first thing, black sheep is absolutely playing in this classic formula of these when animal attack films. You know, the birds, jaws, piranha. Anyway, you name it. You've got, you've got, you've got some specific area where all of a sudden, there's this animal threat. There's always some big event. No, you can't close the beaches kind of thing. It's got it all, and it, it, all, it all works. It's still, it's still you know, it, okay, it might be a tired formula. Maybe nothing new, the formula, but this was fun. The sheep made it fun. And also, what really struck me is how good the special effects are. The sheep effects are great. And I'm not even talking even about the monster sheep effects. Like, just earlier on, when you're just seeing attacking sheep before they start really mutating. I'm like, that looks great. You know, that's got to be a puppet head, but it looks great. It looks great. And I think, I think what bugged me the first time around, it was I was expecting it to be, I know this doesn't sound like me, but I expected it to be more ha-ha comedy, like hearty ha-ha comedy. And it's not. It's not that. Again, just like Extraordinary, it's all character-based comedy. It's wordplay. Nothing that will make you laugh out loud, but it was making me smile. And I guess in 2006, I just was really down on smiling. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? And then the other thing that was bugging me that I got disappointed, I felt was, I, I do remember feeling cheated. Because for the longest time, there's not a lot of gore. And all the main action is happening off screen. Yeah, there's monster puppets, but you're not really, really, really seeing what they're doing. There's a little, little flash here and there. But I was like, yeah, Okay. I guess the censors got to it and they cut out all the good stuff. No, 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 no. They're actually doing the nice, slow build with the gore. They're saving it for the big event at the end. And when it delivers, it delivers really nicely. There is some 
gross special effects <laughs> in that down under kind of style. No, does it go as haywire or stuff like Dead Alive or any of those Peter Jackson movies? No, it doesn't have to. They go just far enough to make it go because they got tons of other special effects in the store for you besides gore. The the month the, the sheep keep mutating and they keep getting bigger and there's this this where okay, okay, hold up. Welcome to the Alden Farm, where they've been raising sheep for five generations. Where they've been sowing their seed into the virgin bush of the land for over a century. Hey, I, yeah, I know that was full of double entendre, but hey, I didn't say it. There's a line from the movie. They were sowing their seed in the virgin bush. To which I say, you get it, Oldens. You get it. And if you've been doing it for five generations, it ain't that virgin no more. Anyway, not the point right now. And like I said, it's a deal. It's all, it looks like Babe. It looks like the movie Babe. You've got the farmer and his family and their adorable dog wrangling up some sheep at the end of the day so they can go home and do whatever you do on sheep farms at night. Shush. Keep it clean, kids. That's coming later. <laughs> this is just the opening. And I like a clean opening, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. I do know what I mean. I'm disgusting. And you've got the young boy, Henry. You got the other brother, Angus. They keep talking to somebody named Dudley, who I thought was the dog, but it's not the dog. We'll find it later. But I said, ooh, hi, hot farmer, dad. Then dad, I was like, oh, hello. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can get it. You can get it. I'm going to enjoy watching the movie with this hot dad. And- oh, he's dead. What happened? Well... It turns out, you know, this is a very short scene, but you realize there's some strife in this family, particularly strife between the two brothers, because uh, Angus has a brace on his leg, and he just seems to be jealous because he can't be a part of the actual sheep farming, I suppose. So he's just watching from the side, and I guess he gets tired of that, and he's jealous of his little brother Henry, who's like blonde and perfect and disgusting. You know the type. And he doesn't like the friendship that Henry has with his pet sheep, Dudley. That's who Dudley is. Okay, I've got that figured out. I'm sure that's going to be an important part of the plot. It's going to be the friendship between Henry and Diane. Now Dudley's dead. Okay. What happened to Dudley the sheep? I'll tell you what happened. Angus happened to Dudley the sheep. He was so jealous that he kills this poor little sheep with an axe. Like, you're a dick. Oh, but wait, he's not done. Not only that, Poor little Henry's looking all over. Dudley, where are you? Dudley, where are you? I can't do a New Zealand accent, so I'm not going to even try. So apparently everybody in New Zealand talks like this. Dudley, where are you? Here, boy. Here, boy. Here, boy. I shouldn't do that for very long. I think it's very annoying. And he wanders around. He's looking. He goes into a barn and bang! Dudley's corpse comes dropping down all chopped into pieces and skinned and screaming and screaming. And then all of a sudden, those big hairy things attacking him. I don't know what it was. Was it a bear? Is it a bear? I don't know. Do they have bears in New Zealand? Was it a giant wombat? I don't know. But his brother is like inside of some bloody, ugly, gross animal skin attacking his brother. And the kid's freaking out and crying and everything. And it's gross and it's horrible. And then Mrs. Mack comes in and says, there's been an accident. Hot Farmer Dad fell off a cliff. Come on, Hot Farmer Dad. At least get it together and take your shirt off before you fall off a goddamn cliff. What's the matter with you? Well, nothing anymore. You're dead. Now, something I should have said up top is that initially I said, you know what? I better really get a kick out of this movie. It's Michael Howie. 
in the last episode, then I remember, wait a minute, he's an animal activist. And wow, there's a lot of animal violence. If you don't like animal, seeing animals get hurt, and really, who does? There's a lot of that. Granted, most of them are evil at the time, but some for some reason, it doesn't make it any easier for me. And it's never funny, and it is upsetting. So if you don't like that sort of thing, this ain't the movie for you. Or you're going to have some issues. But anyway, I digress. We return. After the opening credits, it's 15 years later. Henry is returning to the farm for the first time in years. And Henry is not happy about it. He's taking a taxi to get there, and they're stuck. And the taxi is stuck by this gigantic herd of sheep in the road. You know how they do? Sometimes they mull around on the road, and all of a sudden, oh, no, your car can't get by. I'm just going to be surrounded by sheep or cattle or whatever the fuck these farm animals are. And I'm going to have to wait for them to move before I can get my ass anywhere. That's what's happening. But the thing is, Henry's not mad. About the situation, Henry's not irritated that he's not getting home. Henry's not pissed off that he's going to be stuck in the sheep herd while the meter is just cranking up and up and up and up. No, no, no. He's terrified for his life because it turns out that in the years that we've missed, Henry has developed a terrible case of ovinophobia, which is fear of sheep. This bugged me for a while. I'm like, why is he afraid of the sheep? The sheep didn't do anything at the time. I said, you know what? Probably the combined shock of having Dudley murdered and having his corpse dropped on him and then his brother attacking him in a monster suit thinking he was going to kill him combined with the fact that his dad died maybe a combined trauma is going to leave some fucked up emotional scars but Patrick I said to myself that doesn't make any sense why of all things would be afraid of the sheep in the equation that is that Patrick that's the thing about phobia there are rational fears and irrational fears are fucking irrational go with the story already let it go okay I will Patrick stop yelling at me okay I will thank you let's talk some more okay let's what has happened is that in the interim his brother Angus has taken over the family farm and they've been doing things. It's a big success and he's doing things and it turns out he's been doing all this genetic engineering on his sheep. He's trying secretly to breed a new type of sheep. What could possibly go wrong? When will science ever learn? Why is Betty Davis doing commentary? I don't know. Because she can. Whoo. Anyway, it turns out the whole reason that Henry has to come back to the farm is that his brother wants to buy his share of it. I suppose that he could have the freedom to do whatever the heck he wants there. And then whenever this new breed of sheep that he's developed, that he's debuting tonight, having business people from all over the world coming to see this new sheep tonight at this big event, that he's going to get all the spoils from that. When they want to buy the farm, he's going to make the gazillions of dollars for it, not Henry, because Angus is a dick. So anyway, we finally get Henry out of this sheep traffic jam and he arrives for the first time to his family home. Or should I say his family palatial mansion? Huge, rambling, monstrosity, spooky, love it. Everything about this house is creepy and nothing's even happened there yet. Well, fortunately, the housekeeper's there to welcome him home. Mrs. Mack, you know, good old Mrs. Mack. And let me just say, after Black Christmas, if you're going to have a character named Mrs. Mack, she better be Big, loud, body, crude, and possibly drunk. New Zealand Mrs. Mac delivers on all points. Maybe not the drunk part, but Mrs. Mac is solid, and she doesn't know. She, this is a woman who don't take shit from nobody. Of course, she's delighted to see him, and she's so delighted to see him that she gives him. But she says, your father would want you to have this. And I said, ah, ha, ha. This is one of those. Chekhov's gun moments. Here are the Golden Shears awards that your father won, and it's this award that's basically a set of shears 
designed to be shoved into somebody's eyeballs. And he said, those are going to be stuck in somebody in somebody's gross before this movie's over. And I was right. Nothing in this movie goes the way I think it's going to go. Like, there's a couple of moments where I said, that's going to come back later. And those things always did, but never in the way I thought they were going to be. So, yes, they're following the Chekhov's gun rule, which is if you have a gun, if you introduce a gun in the first act of your play, somebody needs to fire it before the play is over. All of the Chekhov's guns here get fired and used, you know, or the Chekhov's shears or the Chekhov's chopsticks or the Chekhov's candle or all these other things that come into play. They all get used, but it turns out they're all MacGuffins. They don't save the day. They help, but they don't save the day. And I thought it was really great screenwriting. Nobody cares. Let's keep moving on. Henry finally meets up with his brother. He makes the deal. He sells the farm. He gets the check. And all he wants to do is get the fuck out of there. But there's a problem. While this was going on, there were some really helpful animal activists. I'm looking at you, Michael Howard. This is what I was thinking. Michael Howard probably liked this movie. He's got animal activists in it. And they're going to ruin everything because that's what animal activists do. Right, Michael? Anyway, not the point right now. Two animal activists, Grant and Experience. Yes, that's her name. Her name is Experience. Accept it. Love it. Embrace it. It's part of you now. And they're breaking into the research facility. Except they're both boobs. And I don't mean breasts. I mean, they're idiots. Particularly Grant. Whatever plan they had, Grant like throws it all to the wind as soon as he sees an open door. As soon as he sees an opportunity to do something, he's like, I'm going to steal the first thing that I find. Of course, the thing he steals is a canister that he stole out of a gigantic cooler that said, toxic material, don't touch. We'll kill everybody. You know, Grant doesn't care. He's got it. He's running. Yay. And of course, what's in that jar is what's going to cause all the mayhem. Because in that jar is a sheep embryo. A mutant sheep embryo. Shit happens, they get chased by the guards at the lab, there's a chase to the woods, and the jar gets broken. And when this mutant embryo crawls out of the broken glass, I took one look at this thing, and I thought, damn, I guess after Sherry Lewis died, Lamb Chop must have developed one hell of a smack habit, because girl, you look like shit. What is up, Lamb Chop? Text Grant. It bites him on the earlobe, and the earlobe just keeps stretching and stretching and stretching. It's a, and it is revolting. But fortunately, Grant's able to fight this cracked out lamb chop baby mutant fetus thing off. But he doesn't kill it, and it makes its way into the pasture with the rest of the sheep, and then the party really starts. So that's where we're going to stop with the plot summary for now because I do want people to see this. You know, I think it's been forgotten over time. I completely forgot about this movie, and it is definitely worth a look. It is a lot of fun. But I'm going to talk about some specific things, though. I'm not not necessarily plot stuff, but just specific moments or perhaps the characters. Now, right about here, we get introduced to the character of Tucker. Knew if you were sad like me, that hot farmer dad died. Well, hello, Tucker. How you doing, hot swarthy farmhand? Hi. Hi. Oh, yeah, and he knows Henry from when they were kids, and they're really happy to see each other. And they go for a drive together, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give him a nice welcome home, Tucker. That's what you should do right now. But unfortunately, they run into experience. The female animal I just uh, cock blocks for the rest of the movie, which is very sad. Which is very sad. Just, well, it's not really sad, but I was sad, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, it's like Chekhov himself said. If if you introduce two hot kiwis in a pickup truck in Act 1, you better have them fucking in the truck bed by the time the credits roll. Or something like that. These three make a fun little trio of heroes. I really like the chemistry between all three of them. One of the things I liked about this, too, is that the character of experience is always coming up with this really dippy new age crap all the time. 
And she walked to her room and be like, oh my God. They'd be like, what's the matter? She's like, the feng shui in here is terrible. But I'm shooting that sort of a thing. But she's never portrayed as stupid. And actually, her new agey stuff winds up helping them out and saving people's lives on more than one occasion. And I like that, that she wasn't just this character whose new age guru stuff was there to be made fun of. Yeah, they make fun of it, but then, hey, it actually works. I like that. I also like that at no point, even though, like I said, she comes in a cock box, there's never a romantic thing going on with her and Henry either. So I do love a good movie where you can have a, something without random love interests bogging shit down. You get the affection, you get the care for each other, and they're taking care of each other, but there's, they're not going to, you know, bone in the middle of the sheep epidemic. Okay, if Tucker and Henry boned, that would have been different, okay? Because that we don't see every day, all right? This other shit we see all the time. And plus, since there's no romantic attachment between experience and Henry, that perhaps if all three of them end, make it to the end of the movie, Henry would be like, thanks, experience. Thanks for saving my life. Now Tucker and I can get married like we always talked about when we were kids. Yeah, that can, it could happen. It can happen. Okay, here's the thing. Somebody asked me this week, like, how can you just do what you do? How can you just force gay stuff when it's clearly not there? I said, what do you mean? We were talking about the fog. They said, there's nothing in there that says that Nancy Loomis is a big lesbian. To which I replied, there's also nothing in the script that says she's not a big lesbian. Okay? That is open to interpretation, and art is subjective, and that's what we're doing here. We're just interpreting art, right? And if I want to interpret it that everybody's queer... That's my, <laughs> that's my subjective right. Interpret it any way you want. That's the way I want to see it. And there's no evidence otherwise. I'm going to see it the way I see it. And make you see it. What am I babbling about? I'm babbling. There's a whole segment that's shot in a cave. Because Experience and Henry wind up falling in an awful hole. I don't mean the hole is awful. I mean it's an awful hole. I mean it's a hole for awful. Which The awful hole is where you dump awful. Which looks and smells awful, but awful isn't awful. Awful is awful. O-F-A-L. As in body parts and bits and goo and random organs. This is all the shit where the, um, this is the hole where the evil scientists have been dumping all the icky body parts. And they wind up falling in it and it's gross. But there's a whole lengthy chase scene down there in the caves, which are lit only by Experience's candle and Henry's lighter. I was impressed by all this because it actually looked... Like the whole scene was being lit by just a candle and a lighter. And yet you could always see everything. Even when things got frenetic and the action revved up, it was still dim enough to make you to make it scary, but not so dark that you couldn't see anything. And that's a really hard thing to pull off. So bravo to that. Also, at a certain point, when, when they fall down the awful hole, don't make me go down there again. The hole for the awful, which smells awful, but of course it smells awful. It's awful. <laughs> They fall down there, and she whips out this candle. She says, oh, my chakras are really out of a line. I need my aromatherapy candle. I'm like, oh, my God. If that's a Gwen Paltrow vagina candle, we're all going to die. Also, where did you pull that candle out of? Never mind. I don't want to know. There's a point or two in the movie where we discover that being bit by one of the sheep makes very bad things happen. They go into a barn at one point because they hear shears running. There's nobody there, and they're looking around. All of a sudden, there's big woolly beast stands up and it just keeps getting taller and taller and taller and taller. I'm like, oh shit, it's Sheepzilla. It turns out it's Grant. The people who have been bitten are mutating into sheeple. There are sheeple in this movie. Wake up, sheeple. Wake up, sheeple, and stop eating the people. 
and all of the sheeple effects are great. There is a okay. I'm not spoiling anything. It happens really early in the movie. Tucker does get bitten by a sheep, but he gets kidnapped by the evil scientist, and they're doing experiments on him because they think they can come up with a serum to turn him back. So he gets to turn back and forth and back and forth and back and forth from a sheeple to a human, back and forth and back and forth. And do you remember back in the late 90s, early 2000s, like every scary movie had to do that thing, you know, that thing where they'd focus in on somebody's face and they'd shake their head really fast, but the, 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 the film was all sped up and choppy and stuff. I call it wiggle vision because I don't know what else to call it. Every time Tucker transforms one way or the other, he's doing wiggle vision. This is the best wiggle vision stuff. I've, this transformation is incredible. The amount of different faces that are going back and forth with no CGI. This is all practical effects that they're doing in this movie. So this whole wiggle vision transformation is absolutely astounding, as are almost all the special effects. I only clocked one bad special effect in the whole thing, and it was towards the end, and it's so minor, I'm not even going to bring it up. But man, they did an amazing job for a limited budget with very little CGI. The only CGI that I clocked was when you see the herd of killer sheep come trampling down the mountain towards the, uh, the big event business meeting. Because there's thousands of them, and I sure I'm yeah, there's lots of real sheep in the movie, but getting thousands of sheep to do exactly what you want on cue that's gonna be a pain in the ass. And that was the only thing I clocked. And I, you know what, this movie was a lot of fun. I was very happy with the whole thing. It's a great ending, and, and it was clever. It was witty. It was sweet, and it was gross. And that's a great combination. So thank you. Listener Chris for suggesting this movie because it really didn't make my night. And hey, you know what? If you want to be like Listener Chris and if you want to take over the show and make me talk about whatever movie you want me to talk about instead of what I want to talk about all the time, well, the easiest thing to do is to head on over to www.patreon.com slash screenqueens and become a patron. All the levels are clearly spelled out there, all the different benefits and all the different things. And of course, that includes access to all the Patreon-exclusive premium content like The Final Reel, where I talk about all the movies that I've seen recently and whether you should check them out or not and things I'm not going to be talking about here on the show. And also, Damn You, Uncle Lewis, the Friday the 13th, the series retrospective podcast that I do with Trey Dean and Maya Murphy. Both of them come out monthly, and they're tons of fun. Because not only we get all these great things, you're also supporting the show. If you are a super fan and you want a super show, become a super screamer at Patreon today. And thank you once again to for picking a good movie and not pulling the wool over my eyes. And also, Chris, I love you. You, get it? You know, like a, like a sheep? You, <laughs> I'm just going to crawl under my desk for a while and wallow in my own shame. be the part of the program where I'd read a listener review. But I'm not gonna. Why, Patrick? Because I didn't get any. I'm kind of surprised since I am running a contest and all. After all, I'd said on the last episode that anybody who leaves a review between now and April 1st would be entered into a contest to win a copy, a digital copy of the four and a half hour documentary In Search of Darkness, Volume 1. About all those classic horror movies from the 80s, talking all kinds of stars that don't normally appear in these documentaries and things like that. 
but nobody answered. So I'm a little bummed. But I'm not going to let that get me down. I'm going to extend the contest to April 15th. So until April 15th, you can either leave me a review using the handy link, lovethepodcast.com slash screamqueens. That's lovethepodcast.com slash screamqueens. And that will allow you to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or CastBox or Google Podcasts or Podcatcher or a bunch of other sites instead of having to go and pull up the whole stupid thing on your computer and wait for it to load, la, la, la. You can just do it there. And for those of you who are like, well, I already left a review a million years ago, said, well, it's time to leave another one. If you left it on iTunes, leave it on Google Podcasts. If you left it on Google Podcasts, leave it on Podcatcher. If you left one on Podcatcher, leave it on CastBox. You know what I'm saying. Show a brother some love and also win a copy of In Search of Darkness Volume 1. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Or... Or, or, if that's not your speed, you can go to the new website, www.screamqueens.com. There's a red tab over on the side that says, read me the filth in 30 seconds. You leave me a voicemail message that I play on the show, you're entered into the contest too. You have until April 15th to do that. So before I wrap things up, I would be remiss to not tip my tiara to my affiliates, my partners in crime. That would be Squadcast, Squadcast. Provides remote recordings for professional podcasters. Don't settle for sucky sound when you can sound like a pro with Squadcast. Try it out for free yourself at bit.ly slash squadqueens. That's bit.ly slash squadqueens. And also, big, squishy, slightly inappropriate hugs to everybody over at Captivate FM. Captivate FM is the only podcast host that actively helps you grow your podcast. Sure, you can get stuff for free, but you know, if you're getting your podcast hosting for free, you're the product. Don't be the product, be the star at Captivate FM. So give them a try for free again for seven days. Try them out at bit.ly slash Captivate SQ. If you're interested to get in touch with the show, you can... Hey, if it's your first time here, thank you for joining us. I hope you had a good time. And if you did have a good time, follow the show on your favorite podcatcher. It's free. And if you really, really enjoyed the show, share a link with some friends. Let them know how much you enjoyed the show, because that would be awesome. You can follow me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens, where horror gets gay, and join the page there. You can find me on Twitter, at Scream Queens. I'm on Instagram, at Scream Queens Podcast. If you really enjoyed the show and want to leave a tip, perhaps, you know, if you're not really committed to becoming a patron, but you want to say, hey, thanks, Patrick, for doing a great job and recommending a great movie for me, you can buy me a coffee. You can buy me a coffee with a one-time donation of one, three, or five dollars. I'd buy me a coffee dot com slash scream queens i don't know about you but i am super excited about next month because next month is canadian horror appreciation day and there's really nothing i love more than a canadian horror movie they're always so charming and also so mean at the same time so first up we're going to be discussing the 1981 slasher classic my bloody valentine and i'm going to be joined by guest tara gardner and filmmaker and soon-to-be-published author, Brian Norton. After that, we're going to be talking about the movie Pin. And for Pin, I'm going to be joined by one half of the horror queers, Mr. Joe Lipset. And also, my fellow shopkeep from the Very Curious Curious Shop over at Damn You, Uncle Lewis, Maya Murphy. Are you excited? I'm excited! Oh, by the way, I have a special message for Maya. You see, Maya has developed quite a fan following among the ladies over at Damn You, Uncle Lewis. And those ladies would be really pissed off if I didn't tell them that Maya will be appearing in an online production of The Merchant of Venice playing Portia. It's going to air live tonight, Friday the 26th, which I know is going to be too late for some of you. However, the video is going to still be available on YouTube after the fact. So that's pretty darn cool. And the link is down there in the show notes. As a matter of fact, all those links that I've rattled off throughout the show are right down there in the show notes for you to peruse and use and hopefully abuse. I got nothing. Don't abuse. Don't abuse my links. That's nasty. 
So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, please continue to make the world a more fabulously creepy place and never forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, wear a fucking mask, wash your fucking hands, keep your fucking distance, get the fucking vaccine, stay fabulous, keep your head up, we're almost out of this, I think, and never forget for one second how much I love you. How much do I love you? This much. Okay, I know it's an audio podcast, but my hands are really... Okay, I love you a lot. I love you a lot. My hands were really wide. Out. Never. (sighs) I love you. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.